Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Hi, it's Jonathan Goldhill. and Welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Successor Show. Today, I have Dawn Bloomer with me. She's a business strategist, consultant, and certified exit planning advisor. Dawn is the founder of Productive Pressure, a philosophy and method that masterfully balances the drive for success with a safeguard against burnout. Her experiences in nurturing her veterinary practice, spearheading growth, fostering strategic alliances, and orchestrating its successful acquisition by a large aggregator have fortified her with an understanding of the intricate dynamics of business expansion and exit planning. Armed with an MBA and decades of hands-on experience, Dawn has worked with hundreds of practice owners, immersing herself in an in-depth analysis of profit and loss statements and balance sheets. Her diligent exploration uncovered a universal thread of challenges faced by businesses of all sizes and across various locations. It inspired her to design the Practice Freedom Accelerator Method, an innovative system that empowers practice owners to step back from being the epicenter of their businesses, freeing up precious time to pursue passions and increase practice value for future transitions. Again, Dawn is a certified exit planning advisor and a strategic advisor, advisor specializing in working with clients across legal, engineering, healthcare, and architecture sectors. Dawn, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much for having me, Jonathan. It's a pleasure to be here. You have quite a background. I think you're the only person I've ever had on air or even in a conversation where your veterinary practice was focused on racehorses. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got into that career. Sure. So when I was about six, we lived in England and I learned how to ride horses. And at that point in time was when I decided that the only thing I wanted to do in life was be a horse doctor. And so I spent the next, you know, 20 something years doing just that. And uh, the racehorse part was, you know, sort of talk about a niche, right? Like, I really went deep. I had, I started by working on racing farms and really just fell in love with the whole competitive piece of it, but also the athleticism. And it was just such a beautiful um, setting and it just was a lot of fun. So 
when I graduated, actually, I lived in Canada. I went to school in Canada and then spent a year in Chicago, just getting a little more experience and then moved out to California, chasing the California dream. Sounds like something I do when I was 22. I think you were a little bit older. So what what did you study in school to get into veterinary practice? Besides, obviously, going to you have to become, you know, go to veterinary school. Yeah. So I actually, I spent a couple of years of undergrad. You know, some people complete a whole degree. I did not. I was very anxious just to get into vet school. So I did what I had to do to get in. Um, and so I studied a lot of obviously math and sciences and mm-hmm. got into vet school. And in vet school, when I was going through school, you didn't have the option to really pick a tract at that point. You learned about all the animals. So I learned about everything from, you know, pigs and goats to, uh, horses and exotic birds to some extent. But I always knew that I wanted to work on horses. Well, and racehorses. Um, that yeah. I, I would surmise that you're probably a pretty competitive person, at least with yourself, because racehorses are almost racing against themselves, like golfers are trying to improve their score. So yeah. um, it, you seem to connect the racehorses and their performance with human performance and and managing and balancing uh, burnout. That that seems to be a big part of your work today, isn't it? It is. And I think I became really passionate about the sort of, if, if you will, that that piece, that pressure piece, because I think pressure gets a bit of a bad rep. And to your point, I really am. I'm really very competitive with myself, not so much with other people. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs are harder on themselves than they are on anyone else because we are very competitive with ourselves. We're overachievers, right? We wouldn't take on a big risk like running a business and owning a business if we weren't, you know, overachievers. So I I think that the reason I got really excited about helping people through set up their businesses so that they weren't setting themselves up for burnout is because I burned out repeatedly throughout my career. I basically set myself up for failure over and over, you know, I worked in a group practice when I first came to California and I had uh, three partners that ran the group practice as well established practice, very, very profitable, was doing really well, super busy. Um, and I, about five years in, they invited me to join them as a partner. And so I basically went out and took out a loan like most people would for their first home and bought into this practice. So I became the fourth partner with three people who were in, you know, sort of generations ahead of me, if you will, for the most part. And at that point, I was just having my first child. So I was working six, seven days a week and helping to run the business and, you know, really just wanted to do all of the things. And it's funny because when I first got into working at the racetrack, I loved working six and seven days a week. I loved being on call 24-7. I loved my pager. Like I thought I was cool and super important. People needed me, you know. And then I got to a point where it was just a lot. It was a lot. But I didn't know how to do it any differently. So I just put my head down and said, you know, you can do this. You do hard things. Just put your head down and do more. And you know, that's that's kind of a vicious cycle that I think a lot of entrepreneurs get into. Um, we're really good at doing that thing. And so we just focus on doing more of it because we know we can do it well. 
So you almost sound like a disruptive successor. You came in as a younger generation into a business that while it wasn't family, these partners probably almost were familial to each other or familiar, let's maybe say. And so there was something that you did that was somewhat maybe disruptive coming in at at that young age. And I'm wondering, first of all, were they also dealing with racehorses or were they dealing with dogs and cats and just, you know, like everyone? You were just a racehorse practice, all racehorses. How unique is that? I mean, to me, sounds very unique. It is unique. I mean, it's a fairly it's a fairly small industry in the scheme of things. Certainly within the veterinary space, it's a very small. um, Right. Let's go back to that time when you were being asked to join as a partner and you were an early you were early in your years of being a partner. You were the youngest person. Um, what do you think that you were doing or did that was somewhat disruptive, whether, you know, maybe appreciated, maybe unappreciated at the time? Tell us a little bit. Take us back then. Tell us so a little that, bit about that. That's really it's really insightful that you picked up on that because I hadn't thought about it at the time, of course. But I did create disruption because I came in as a younger person who had my own ideas of how we should run our practice. I had my own ideas. And frankly, it's part of why I wanted to buy in is I wanted to have a seat at the table. I wanted to be able to influence how we were doing things, how we were handling our customers, how we were running our business, even though Frankly, I had no formal business training. So I came in all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed with all these great ideas, you know, that I'd that I'd been thinking about for the last five years that I'd been an employee and how I would do things differently. And I had no, I didn't have any of the soft skills, if you will, when it comes to working with other partners, especially partners who have been together for a while. So I came in and I was like, well, you know, I'm and I was an equal partner, you know, like they actually gave me equal partnership. So I came in there, I felt like I had this opportunity to make change, but I had no skills around change management. I frankly had, you know, I didn't really have anything to validate my theories on why I thought my way would be better. And I wasn't very good at presenting. I, I mean, I was very good logically at presenting what I thought would be good to do, but I wasn't very good at getting my point across in a way that they could hear me. Or that they wanted to hear me. So I created, I, I I didn't see it at the time, but looking back, I certainly realized that I had to learn how to manage the changes that I wanted to implement, even if I could convince them to do it, which was the first challenge, was even getting them to open up to the thought that we could do things differently. Keep in mind, this was a business that had been in existence for probably decades by the time I joined and had been very successful financially financially very successful. So for me to come in and start saying, yes, but, you know, we, we should be doing this or we could be doing it this way was not very well received. Uh, and, and rightly so, frankly, because uh, like, who was I to say? Do you think you worked, you talked about working really hard six, seven days a week and, and burning out several times in your career. Was that your way of proving yourself to them? Or was that, maybe due to some just over devotion to work and and hyper focus on work and your own self competitiveness you know competitiveness with yourself i mean what what do you think was the driver i think it was 
all of those things. So okay. my dad was a workaholic. And so I'd had that modeled for me, right? Work was important. If you worked hard, you could have anything you want in life. That, that mentality I brought with me. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that I was very competitive with myself, you know, I, it's never enough, right? Like I always wanted the, I wanted to take it to the next, whatever it was to the next level. Like I could do better. I could do more. So it was that. And then it got to a point where I I didn't, in the beginning, I just loved doing the thing. Like I loved being a veterinarian. I loved being at the racetrack. I loved the people. I loved the environment. It was all fun and it was exciting. But then over time, you know, in anything that you do for a long time, it becomes somewhat repetitive. And so I was looking for new things to bring in that would keep it interesting and that would keep our business growing. But I think the thing that really burned me out in the end was that I was making things harder than they needed to be because I I didn't have the skills to communicate well. I didn't have the skills to to really get buy-in. And at the end of the day, you can have as many great ideas as you want, but if you can't get buy-in from, and I had to get buy-in from my partners, but then I also had to get buy-in from our employees who were used to the old way because most of them had been there a long time. In many ways, our practice was like a family business. The people, it was a you know relatively small group, although you know pumping out a lot of revenue, but a relatively small group. And most of the people there had been there a long time, most of them far longer than me. Yeah, this is a real challenge for next generation leaders is developing acceptance and being a a highly esteemed member of the team, especially if you introduce new things like software or technology that are uncomfortable to them or methodologies or, you know, or even learning. Sometimes they're just, they're over the learning phase and, or they're not learning orientated. So this becomes a challenge. So good for you. Kudos. Good point, though. I think one of the things that I had to learn that took me a while because I was so busy just trying to make things better in my head. One of the things that took me a while to learn was that not and this is going to sound really silly, right? But not everybody thinks the way that I do. Not everybody learns the way that I, not everybody even wants to learn. Some of them were just happy being in their thing as long as you didn't, as long as you left them alone, let them do their thing, they were perfectly happy and very productive. And so it was hard learning that my way wasn't necessarily the best way for everybody. And that there were a lot of really hard lessons learned in there. I bet. So I want to segue to talking a little bit about your uh, practice freedom accelerator and this trademark term called productive pressure. So uh, imagine someone listening to this call is relating uh, to you um, the younger self in you. And they want to understand how to strike a balance between drive and well-being, or maybe they don't understand. And you want to impress upon them the importance of the power of productive pressure and striking a balance between drive and well-being. Um, what would you say to that, your younger self, or say to that person? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think I think the challenge for younger people as they are getting their footing is that the reality is. I think there is something to be said for working harder early on in your career. I think that the reality is that there's a learning curve and there are some periods in your, in your 
career, especially if you're a business owner, where you really do need to spend the time just getting experience. That said, I think that the old way of doing it, if you will, of just going all out, you know, 80, 90 hours a week, we know it's not sustainable and we know it's not good for us. So striking that balance between you need a certain amount of pressure to accomplish things. Like otherwise we'd all be marshmallows sitting on the couch, eating bonbons and binging Netflix. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's finding that balance between I want to get enough experience that I get better. I want to get enough exposure to our customers that that they appreciate my role in this. I want to spend enough time with our employees that they get what I get, who I am, they understand, and that they respect me because I'm willing to do the thing. And at the same time, you can go overboard. And so one of the things I think is really important is the idea of starting from a place of clarity. What what are your goals? What is important to you? What are your values? And how does that fit into the business? Because it's not that everybody who's working in the business has to have the same values, but the business, the values for the business need to be enough in alignment with the owners and the employees that everybody is going to be working toward the same end. So I spend a lot of time with, with my clients be them, you know, I mean, I've been focusing now on on practice owners because I feel like I can provide them with the most relevant personal experience, which helps people grasp the concepts a little bit better. But really, mm-hmm. the concepts apply across across industries, of course. Right. So do you give them productivity hacks or biohacks so they can optimize their work life integration I- or balance? I do if they're open to it. Not everybody wants productivity hacks yeah. and biohacks. This is another thing I've learned. Like I'm all excited about it. It's sort of like I love biohacks. You know, I've got my aura ring, I've got my eight sleep in the bed. But I do, I, I do absolutely coach people around the idea that they have to find what works for them as far as self-care goes. To me, I think that a lot of business owners, and I think it's especially true as you're getting started you're very resilient because you wouldn't be where you are if you weren't. You're used to getting knocked down, getting back up, doing the thing. And I think that we put a lot of reliance on resilience and it's almost like a badge of courage. You know, like the more you can do and get knocked down and get back up, the tougher you are and the stronger you are and the better you are, right? But I think at at a certain point, the resilience shouldn't be the focus. The focus should be on more on mental fitness and mental fitness, just like physical fitness is something we can work at. So in order to get fitter, when we talk about physical fitness, we know that we have to work out a certain amount to get progress, right? Like eventually you have to lift a little more weight or run a little faster, but you don't want to do too much too soon or you get hurt. It's the same thing with your mental fitness. Some amount of pressure is beneficial. Uh, Aliyah Crum at Stanford has the Mind and Body Lab, and she talks about the the benefits of stress if we actually flip the script on how we think about it and talk about it. So we tend to talk about stress as a bad thing, but stress can be really good because really if there wasn't some stress, then why would you bother to do anything? There has to be something that makes you get out of bed in the morning, like 
uh, you know, whatever it is. I mean, at some point in your life, it could be just that you want to go and go for a big hike, but there has to be some impetus for you caring about something enough to do it well or to do it at all. And so if you start to think of stress more as something that motivates you to do something well because you care about it and not such a bad thing, then it really can change the way that you operate. Yeah, I mean, stress is good, right? There's good, there's good healthy stress, and then there's bad stress. Uh, and good stress, I think, energizes us. It, it, it excites us. It, yes. it makes us feel more alive. You know, bad stress overwhelms us, exhausts us, burns us out. And so I, I gather you've experienced both because um, you've talked about it. And, you know, you talk also about like sort of, um, the biohacks, which I'm not sure everyone understands even what we're talking about. Uh, maybe we, we ought to explain that. Uh, sure. So let's let's say, let's digress for a moment and explain what are what are biohacks? Sure. So if we want to talk about tactics and stuff, there are so many opportunities now to do things that don't require any extra effort on our part, but will help us stay on track with our health. So when we talk about biohacking or when I talk about biohacking, it's basically this idea that we can get more out of our health by making different choices. And one of the ways that we can see how we're progressing along that, it's like anything, if you measure it, you can manage it. So there are so many tools out there right now. So uh, I have friends who are athletes and they really like the WHOOP band, W-H-O-O-P. So it's like a band you wear on your wrist. It's like a Fitbit or something. Right. And, it, and it measures your activities throughout the day and your sleep. For me, the big one is sleep. So I have this cool little ring. It's called an aura ring and it tracks my activity throughout the day. But, but the big thing it does for me is sleep. So after years and years of, you know, working six, seven days a week and getting, you know, honestly on average four and a half to five and a half hours of sleep a night, I had to learn how to sleep again. And so what, what having a monitor allows me to do is to sort of hold myself accountable. Okay. So am I sleeping? Am I sleeping? Well, if I'm not sleeping well, to me, sleep is the first place to start, right? We need a certain amount. It's not even the amount of sleep, but we need a certain quality of sleep and consistent sleep to operate it at the, our highest level. And that's always my goal, right? I'm always, I'm still always trying to get to the, the, the optimum. So, so for me, what my aura ring does is it tells me, did I sleep well? If I didn't, well, what did I do differently? Did I, you know, did I eat too late? Was my room too warm? Did I, you know, did I not have the room at the right temperature or is my routine out of whack because I've been traveling? So there are little things that can really change your well-being without a whole lot of effort on your part. Yeah. But if you're not monitoring it, right, yeah. you can't optimize it. So yeah. Yeah, I, and then I, I've done all sorts of different, like I like to experiment. So, so do too. I... Right. Do I use those tactics with my clients? Absolutely. Especially if they're open to them. I always bring it up because sometimes people just don't have an awareness. And then they hear about it. And they're like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Who knew? And uh, I love that stuff, you know, and then all sorts of things around how you use your time in the day. I think we have a lot of focus on productivity has to mean that you, you know, pack more into the day. To me, productivity is let's be really efficient and effective about how we spend our energy, not just our time, but our energy and let's maximize it. So we're doing things at times of the day that 
we can do most successfully then. Like if it doesn't require a lot of bandwidth, we'll do it when you don't have a lot of bandwidth generally. And there are so many opportunities to do things differently. When I was burned out, my problem was I was so stuck in the rut of just doing the same thing over and over again that I, I had way more time than I thought I did. I just had not taken any time or space to really be mindful about how I was spending my time. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about something that I've not shared with too many people publicly. Now's a great chance to to share this. And this was a biohack. Um, I found that in my early years of running my consulting practice, and and honestly, I started my consulting practice almost right out of college. And then I would go and get a job and then I would, you know, it would it would wane. So it goes many years back. But when I started my coaching business, which was really back in 2003, and I started consulting on my own in 2000, I couldn't string five really good days in a row together. I had a lot of what felt like up and down days. And it was difficult. And I remember there was a period of time where I was really concerned, like, can I do this business by myself? And um, cause I just, I couldn't string like three good days in a row and you need to be, if you're a coach, you have to be high level. You have to be, you know, kick ass. And I, I just didn't have it. And so at the time I was going and seeing, uh, I, I think, you know, I went, you know, met with a psychiatrist and, and I took a, a buckle swab exam, which is basically where they basically met, you know, gather saliva from the inside of your mouth. And because I was trying to think, like, is there certain, you know, is there a medication that I might be able to take? Because I felt like maybe I was suffering, struggling with a little bit of low level depression. No one would have ever said, oh, he's depressed because I was always active physically and busy. And but it it just there wasn't a consistency. And I complained about not having a consistency. And I was a big believer in herbs and naturopathic uh, and, you know, remedies and things like that. And I, I did notice that when I took St. John's wort, that I did really well. It was, you know, not an FDA approved drug. It was there was hit and miss quality depending upon the manufacturer. So I did this buckle swab exam. And here's something that really occurred that was really interesting. And this was they found that I was missing one of the twisted pairs of L-methylfolate. We have two twisted pairs in our body. I was missing one of those pairs. And the psychiatrist, who I only saw a couple of times, mostly for the exam, said, I think if you go on this, you'll really find it'll be a, you know, a, a game changer. And sure enough, I went on it. I have never had what I consider to be a down day since. I mean, yes, Every one of us has days where it's like, wow, that day didn't go well. But my resilience, my um, I think resilience is really the word I stick with. The resilience that I've had has been a game changer because I'm now supplementing it with what is basically a B vitamin. Uh, but it's not the same B vitamin as taking, you know, a multi-complex B vitamin. And it was fascinating because I really was able to look back a year or two later and say, wow. I'm not having any of those where three good day or, you know, one good day, no one, not so good day, one good day where I had to be talked up a lot. It was like the confidence level was really a game changer. You're shaking, you're nodding your head. Yes. I have to tell you, I did not know we were going to go down this road. Neither did I. (laughs) Yeah. 
since we, I'll tell you, so I really made myself very sick at, at one point. Mm. And so I was really struggling. So I went to a functional medicine doctor and I had what you're talking about. I had all sorts of tests run and I also cannot methylate B vitamins. And right. so I was not absorbing. I was taking, I was a big believer in supplements and to your point, herbs, all the things. And I thought I was doing a good job because you know, I thought smart person, you know, do a little research, take some, I'm a, I'm a doctor for God's yeah, sake. I, exactly. Right. Just pretend I'm a horse. So I, but then when I had the testing done, you know, it's amazing what they can do now with very minimally invasive tests to find out how your body's wired different from someone else. Yeah. It, the, the wiring is different and or the, the composition is different, if you will. And it makes all the difference in the world. Like I learned, of course, then you, as you start to age, things start to change again. And so now I've had more evaluations done. And so I know that everything I'm doing now is, is getting me that much closer to being optimized for my health. And for me, that's a big thing because yeah, I didn't huge of taking care of my health for a long time. And that's what I get all excited about when I'm working with people is getting them to that point where they can have this, to your point, kick-ass business. You know, they're, they're, they're doing the thing. They're a badass leader. People like going to work. Everything is, is, I mean, sure there are hard days, but they feel good. And their health span is longer because I think we've gone from this. If you want to talk about generationally, like in my dad's generation of, you know, certainly the baby boomer generation, it was, you know, you're going to put your head down, you work hard and then you're going to retire and then you're going to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Right. Why? Why did we think that was a good idea? I mean, I understand that there were lots of reasons at the time, but that is not the case anymore. So for me, it's about optimizing your health span. I want to stay healthy as long as I can. I want to stay healthy as long as I'm alive. And if that can be longer because I can tweak little things, then I think that's amazing. Yeah. And there are so many, so many easy things you can do right now. Yeah. I mean, let's give a shout out to integrative medicine doctors or functional medicine yeah. doctors that do blood testing. I, I've gone in, used to be every three months. Now it's every six months to get my blood tested to see what hormones I might be low or high in and, you know, balancing stuff. And I, I take supplements every day. Some people think it's expensive urine. Um, but honestly, like I mean, I made it, I made it through COVID really strong. Yeah. I, uh, I've been just super healthy and I feel like that my can tell when my body's a little out of balance. And so I think these are really important things that people take care of their biochemistry so they can be optimally performer because, you know, it's one thing to talk about productivity tips and, you know, lay out your top tasks for the next day and come in, follow whatever the Ivy Lee method or, you know, whatever you call it, Andrew Carnegie's method. And like, those are great, but like if your energy level is not great, and you're tired at the end of the day, or you don't want to deal with it, you're going to fall off that horse more often. And you're not going to be able to optimize your behavior because your well-being is not optimized. So this is good Thanks stuff. Horse back into it. I like that. Well, yeah. honestly, this is stuff that I get really excited and passionate about because yeah. it's changed my life. And it sounds really who, you know, like woo-woo or whatever. It's not, it is science and, and it is available. And people don't know because 
our healthcare system is already so overwhelmed with just managing, um, putting out fires. And, you know, you can actually think about all sorts of uh, parallels with our businesses, right? If we get too busy just putting out fires, then we're not doing proactive things that we can do to really move the needle. And with your health, that's a big one. I actually just started reading an excellent book called Outlive by Peter Atia. And, you know, he is a leader in all things health span, mm-hmm. um, super smart doc. And, uh, but, you know, he talks about the fact that we're in a, a place where we can look at medicine differently. We can be more proactive. We can get things, you know, sort of fixed, if you will, before they happen. We can prevent so much more than we could before. We just have to actually be doing the right things and looking. So I'm really excited about the possibilities for the future. But to your point about productivity, we spend so much focus on time and time blocking. And listen, I love all that. They're all really important tools. Making good use of your time matters. But at the end of the day, it's not just about time. It's about energy. And then it's what you do with your time outside of work as well. That's what makes it all worthwhile. Like to me, I always used to think that being wealthy was about having a lot of money, right? Like your net worth is high, so you're wealthy. You think of how many wealthy people you know who are miserable. They have lots of problems. They're just bigger scale problems. And a lot of them aren't solved by money. And so to me now, wealth is about having the time and the resources to be able to do whatever it is you want to do and whatever that means to you. So I think it's a little bit different for everyone. I think it's really important. I I started my coaching career in 2003. I actually bought a franchise. People thought I was the franchisor because I was the growth coach. People know me still as the growth coach. And it was a business coaching, 80%, 20% life coaching. And a lot of it was taking people quarterly, like strategic uh, coach that you were involved with, taking them offsite, outside to a golf course, to a retreat type facility, and having them look at what are their goals? What is their vision? What do they want their business to look like? What do they want their personal life to look like? And so it was so important to help them through this, what we call the strategic mindset process. Um, Because mindset also plays a really big part in this biohacking, productivity hacking, optimization stuff. So great stuff. You know, I'm going to have to have you come back because we (laughs) haven't talked at all about business growth and exit planning and how they are inextricably linked. But this is (laughs) this is way more interesting. And so, um, you know, I would be remiss in not sharing with people something I wanted to share up front, which is that you exited this business by selling to one of the largest private equity investment banking firms on Wall Street. That was a tremendous exit that you had. And it probably made you financially fit for the rest of your life. And yet you took a little course turn there. I'll let you share, if you will, if you want to. Um, Absolutely, yes. I mean, I was I was sort of a small fish in a big pond, and it was a it was a definitely an incredible move for us. We were very fortunate. Um, But for me now, now I get to do something that I'm 
really passionate about and really excited about. And I can do it on my own terms. I can work with people who really want to make a difference, who really want to take it to the next level, and whatever that means for them, not for me. I love being in the background. I love being the person who is helping support the business owner. But most importantly, I feel like I have a mission to help business owners operate differently in a way that gives them what they always thought they were going to have from their business in the first place, which was some level of freedom, whatever that means to them. Fantastic. So Dawn, it's been great having you on the show. Um, I'm sure we have many more things to talk about. Uh, I invite you to come back at some future point in time so we can talk a little bit more about your practice freedom accelerator and, you know, the exit planning stuff. It's been a subject that I've talked, I think quite a bit about, um, I know a lot of certified exit planners, but I, I invite you to come back. Um, if people want to get a hold of you between now and you know and, they, and that future date, um, how would you like to be reached out to? Sure. So they can find me on productivepressure.com. That's my website. Or reach out to me on LinkedIn. Please connect. I'm always looking to build my network. Love meeting with new people. Great. Dawn, thanks so much for having uh, being on my show. And folks, thanks for taking a listen. And you know the drill. If you got some value out of this, share it with other people. Um, maybe check out uh, the book that Dawn recommended. Maybe check out her practice. See if it's something that appeals to you. Um, think about how biohacking productivity um, could change your life. Think in terms of what is it that you want out of the business that you're in right now. And uh, if I can be of assistance, reach out to me. If you're a disruptive successor, I want to hear from you. I'm looking for more guests to be on the show that are in family businesses and are uh, disrupting uh, the status quo. So, folks, again, if you like this show, please give us a good rating on your listening podcast application of choice and stay tuned for future episodes of the Disruptive Successor Show. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill and my purpose is simple, to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at thegoldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.